hit me with it. What? You're cold open. Hit me with all. Oh. oh, my bad. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you meant we were doing yours, but here, let me. Oh, no, no, I need yours. Okay, so you know how um, some scenes in your life just play on repeat in your head sometimes? Like either when you're like laying down or in the shower. Yeah, all the worst ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's usually bad ones. That's true. Like all the cringy um, ones. It's just like, oh my God, I can't believe it happened. Yeah, but do you remember the other day when you sent me a message through Google Chat of the guy on Facebook who just kept he called, kept calling you dude, right? Or bro. No, it was bro. Oh. That's what it was. <laughs> the, the, the guy who's trying to call me out for being a fake guru. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bro. Bro. And he'd say bro like on, bro. every message. Yeah, that, that's been sticking with me for no particular reason. Just I think about it often and how some people some people do business like that, unironically. I don't think like he ha- like did business though. Like I, I don't know what his his game was. It it came off um it came off very much like, hey, I'm looking for a marketer to handle my brother's landscaping business and like we're vetting you. But then like the more I kept talking to him and engaging with him. Like the more it started to be almost like he was trying to get information from me and it would have just been faster if he asked me for it. So here for the listener, this will be, this will be a whirlwind. So we, we've already like, you opened the floodgates, Cody. So now people have to know. (laughs) So, so I feel like, hold on. I feel like I did a bad job too, because Jake was like, give me something. I'm like, uh, okay. But (laughs) I I said it plays in my head and then I was like, that's the moment when I'm not remembering it. So I didn't really explain it very well, but I, what I remember most is you getting to the end, though, and just telling him, this is weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> I took that out of your playbook. <laughs> I was just like, this is weird. <laughs> All right, so here, I'll, I'll lay out the series of events. So um, I've been getting a lot of heat in some of these groups because people don't believe me or Cody that, like, we're as successful as we say we are, which we're really not. I get, like, we're not that big. Um, yeah, I don't feel cool. But this guy this guy messages me from a, nomad, a digital nomad group and he well i didn't know he was from the nomad group at all actually because i just get messages but he goes hey buddy my brother has a tree removal service and he's getting poor results from google ads can you please give us an idea for your pricing and show examples of your past work increasing leads and improving rank and all this stuff so this was sunday and as you know sundays are my date day so i don't really respond to messages on sunday yep so i messaged like hey joe i can tomorrow today's my date day with my fiance he go on our website we post what our average results are in our latest blog post which is true. We do. Yep. And then I had some time. I don't know if she's in the bathroom or what, but I was like, hey, our monthly cost is $750 a month. That includes $250 in ad spend, onboardings between 1000 and 4000 depending on, you know, a few factors. Then I said, just so you know, we do rebuild 95% of our websites. So, you know, you can probably expect closer to the $4,000 range. And <laughs> he responds back with, uh, so look, bro, I spoke to my brother about it and he said he wants to see data based on proof of the improvements that you've made for other companies he just wants to be 100 percent sure the money will be spent well um so send us whatever you can and we'll make a decision and after we can see and so during this time some guy messaged me on instagram too who's a tree guy so i was like are they like working together i actually think it was very coincidental so i i don't i don't think they were like connected because even after this whole thing went down the other tree guy kept messaging me but it was it was very like you know more so professional and fact finding so i messaged i was like is this the guy from instagram never responded to that but i was like seriously like here's the link to it we published our results here and then i said it might be help it might be helpful if he jumps on a call with me but we're month to month for this exact reason like if you don't like us fire us and then i think a week went by uh 
yeah, about a week went by. And then he goes, he wants to see actual dashboard numbers from an active company before he proceeds. Anyone can tell stories, bro. <laughs> we need to see it. There's the first bro. bro. We need to see evidence and proof before we just send you over two or $3,000. Hope you can understand. He should have ended it there. Like he was ahead there. He should have stopped there. Yeah. But then he, keep, okay. but then he keeps going. <laughs> then he goes, oh my God, it's so much. Just like any industry. So he sends like, uh, I can't show you, but he, these are all like, everything I say, it's in literally like 12 separate messages. Like it wasn't in like one big block of text. And so he goes, just like any industry, we need to see verification and proof, bro. <laughs> you should be expecting this. Just send us info so we can see it. A new message. It would be much appreciated. New message. Also, by the way, the whole Columbia thing. It spells Columbia wrong. Um, Bogota image. Weren't, we weren't in Bogota. We were in Cartagena. Um, image you have going on isn't helping your case. So you went to my profile and saw that we were spending time with Lisette, our our, our team member, like our whoever <laughs> working in Columbia. <laughs> isn't helping your case. LOL, just to be real. New message. You think these guys want to lay to watch your vacation in Bogota, again, in Cartagena, while they break their back in the hot sun? New message. Come on, bro. New message. Uh, let's see some actual numbers to back up all that confidence. New message. So we can get moving and pl- and pay. New message. These are all within like a minute of each other, too. Otherwise, we only need to figure out another way. New message. <laughs> if you can make the numbers happen, we are still... We are st- we are, all, we are all in. New message. If you just want a vacation in Colombia without sweat money, I don't think it will re- really work. New message. Just let me know, bro. New message. Thanks. Bro. So I just responded like to all of that with anyone can edit a dashboard. Which <laughs> is true. Like I was like, he's like, anyone can edit numbers or, or results. I'm like, anyone can edit a dashboard? What are you talking about? And he goes, not really. Bro, I've been in the game longer than you. Like, okay. <laughs> And then I said, our team, I, I, said, like that. I said, our team member lives in Colombia. That's why we went. This doesn't seem like, then I just said, this doesn't seem like a good fit. It's like, you're already like kind of an asshole right now. Like, leave me like, I don't want you to work with us. And then he goes in a different industry. So he's continuing his last message. Then I just said, this is what I said. This is weird, man. And he yeah, goes, kind of weird. I'm asking, I'm asking you because you said lawn care, bro. Just show me the numbers. It's not that hard. <laughs> bro, bro, and bro, so I, bro. So we were on our date. This, or um, I don't think, yeah, this is uh, not our date day. This is the, the, the next Saturday. So, But Lauren and I went somewhere uh, to eat. And then we were driving back. So Lauren texted this back. So I was just like, hey, just say this back to this guy. And then she edited it because she's very professional and I'm not. <laughs> but she, <laughs> she says uh, she and her collaborated awesome. on this next message. And it says, um, it's seeming clear that we may... That we maybe we aren't a great fit for you. We already share our metrics on our site. Uh, if you're this apprehensive this early on, this doesn't seem like a great start to a relationship. I hope nothing but the best for you and are you all, and that you find the right partner. And then this is our his job line. Yes, sounds good. These are his last five messages, <laughs> and then I didn't respond. I actually blocked him after this. Um, and got in, and got in, kicked out of the group. Um, he said you you don't know shit about real business. LOL keep dreaming about getting rich because it still never happened with your arrogant attitude lol good luck bro sad to see so many people going down that road you must be a young man 22 or 23 years old i guess lol honestly i think that last comment was a was a compliment though like i'll take 22 (laughs) (laughs) i turn 30 next month (laughs) yeah well i didn't didn't mean to make this like a crap on this guy but i did i just thought about it a lot about the like I think about this all the time because this is so weird. weird. This is so weird. If he like wanted to know more about everything, I would like, I just told him <laughs> or listen to the podcast. Like we're not, 
I, if you want to think we're fake, that's great. But you know, I'm, we're not selling anything. So why why do you feel the need to try to call us out? We, we don't have a course. We don't have sponsors. We don't get paid by people listening to this podcast. So it's like, it just seems weird. Right. <laughs> so uh, anyways, he lives in Egypt. So I don't think he had a brother in, tree, in the tree service. Uh, so, well, I'm glad we got to take our audience on that crazy ride. Um, and, and this is... This, this is like one of the many that I get. I get these all the time and it's weird. Um, I don't even call out fake gurus in private. I call them out in public. I do like when people, um, I mean, I don't know if he's a spammer, if that's the word, but who is it? Um, Rain Fishkin's wife, Geraldine, she had, mm. she does that in blog posts. It's been a long time since I checked him out, but she would always like troll spammers and then uh, post the, the stories and it was very entertaining. She, uh, she would troll spammers like from, where did the spammer oh like in their inbox and in emails yeah mm, yeah and she said to like in the emails or she was just very public about it that if you if you were a spammer and you bugged her that hey i will take this and use it for people's general entertainment value so <laughs> i know i feel like i need to do that because i get a ton of these i've gotten two people in like the last week who have so like that marketing agency owner group with the ones the fire emojis i'm an admin on that and I've gotten two people in the last week who have solicited me who are like, hey, I know you get 100 sales pitches, but here's another sales pitch. And uh, just went straight to my DMs. And I'm like, are you the first one? I was like, um, are you DMing? Or right, here we go. She said, so she did, had her little pitch. And then I was like, is this? Or she goes, um, she told me, hey, I saw we're in a market, the same marketing agency group and I'd like to, for us to connect. And then she sent me our pitch. And then I said, is it the same marketing agency group where the rules are you'll get banned if you DM people sales pitches? And then I said, also the one that I'm an admin of. <laughs> and then, cool. and then um, I didn't, I didn't ban her. She just didn't respond to that. I thought it was funny. Um, and then another guy uh, messaged me recently too. And oh, so he goes, hey, hey, Matt. My name is Maddie on Facebook. Um, hey, Maddie, saw you run an agency and looking to connect with other owners. And I just responded and said, connect or sell to. And he said, connect, man. I'm trying to reach out to people that I can help and that could help me in some way. And then I responded, yeah, you'd want to be smart uh, soliciting to an admin of the agency group that you're in has rules against that. So uh, he didn't respond to that. So I'm assuming he was trying to solicit and then realized he messed up. Yeah, that's, I think between us, people will have much more fun messaging you if they're trying to do some sort of pitch of some sort, because I'll just ignore them. I think I probably respond to maybe one out of a hundred. <laughs> um, it's usually like, Hey, what a good pitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, Hey, good job. Uh, but no, thank you. Um, yeah. I did want to say though, um, because I think these are important to point out. I wrote down two things when you're talking about the story. And one is like, as far as image goes, well, one that's mean, like, I think it's mean if you're, if you're just ripping on, uh, so he has implications, right? When he's saying like the Columbia thing is, is a bad image for your brand. Like yeah, one, like I that un unsolicited, you didn't have to thank you for your opinion that you didn't need to share. <laughs> um, but, but um, it, yeah, that's, that's a loaded comment in many ways. And I think it's not. Well, dude, you're not you're not allowed to have fun. That's the rule when you own an agency. Because yeah, if you're is that 
Okay, is that what he was going for, or was he going for the you're outsourcing and that's a bad image? No, you know, he was going because he, in his message, he said that while, you know, we vacation in Colombia while our clients are outside working in the heat, basically. Ah, uh, okay. I interpreted wrong then. Okay. Yeah. And that that's basically what he was saying. He's like, that's a bad image. I'm like, okay. Okay. Well, yeah. No, then the, what I was going to say is even more important then. And that's, look, realistically, you can ask this for any larger agencies too, and they'll, I bet they will tell you the same thing. And it's that social is rarely for client acquisition in comparison to employee acquisition. The people who are checking your socials are much more often the people who are interested in working at your company, not as much working with your company. Yeah, you'll get some referrals through that. But um, when it comes to hiring and stuff, they want to, that's actually the stuff that they do want to see. They want to see that, hey, you're cool, you're fun. You're exciting. Of course, it's a highlight reel, so you're only showing the most exciting and important stuff, not the boring drudgery of everyday life. So, yeah, it would not be nearly as cool if we just took a picture every day of, here I am at my desk, about to work again. <laughs> here I am at my desk, at my house, because we work remote. I don't have offices. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then um, the other thing about case studies, too, that's, I think it's better to show averages. When people say, I want a case study, can you show me actual real life examples? Because that, when you do that, most companies are going to show you their best clients and you can't blame them. That's what they will want to do is give you the best examples. We show averages, which say that, look, half or above this, half or below this. And it depends on a whole bunch of factors. But across the board, you can look at these numbers to know they're the average. Whereas a case study will say, here's one of our best examples this is you in a best case scenario. Yeah. And, and, and if you, you show, yeah. And if you show case studies, I mean, I've always been out of this philosophy. If you show your best case study, then whoever you're showing that to is going to expect those results. And it's yeah. not a good, like, I mean, it's probably a good way to get a dumb prospect to, to sign because they're like, oh yeah, like that, that's one case study. It must be representative of everything they do versus like our averages, which aren't like sexy. I mean, $50 cost per lead. That's not sexy at all. That sounds awful. But like in the spring, we we see cost per leads that are like under ten dollars because the search volume is so high and the and the demand and intent is so high in the spring, but then the winter, we see cost per acquisition and cost per leads with Google Ads of like two hundred dollars per lead. Mm-hmm. So it's like a yep. give and take. It's it's across the entire year. It's across the entire U.S. and um, sometimes Canada. Um, but uh, it, it's. Averages are great, um, but also I've also seen that a lot of agencies can't even get our averages on their best day. So, but anyways, uh, it, this is a perfect segue into what this episode is actually about, which is um, I forgot the name of it. <laughs> it's how to measure client success and establishing your KPIs. So, the number one thing that is probably going to make your agency successful in the long run is is knowing how to communicate to your clients that the campaign and what you're doing is successful and what they're paying you for. So the hardest, the, the best way to illustrate this is with the, with an industry that's harder, the hardest to communicate this, which is like a branding agency. It's very hard to track branding efforts. There are, there are certainly ways like you can look and you can look up uh brand lift within search console. You can, you can do things like that, but or like do surveys or things like that. But with when you're a digital agency like us, there's a lot more KPIs to consider in terms of uh, who our clients are, what the niche is, and the services that we're offering. So our primary KPI is leads. Even though we focus on search engine marketing or, or PPC ads and uh, SEO, 
we still focus on leads and we don't really focus on rank at all, even though <clears throat> that's like the name of the game for SEO. So I, I have had a few people, I actually just had someone today come into my inbox or was it last, I think it was last night. They're in my inbox on Facebook asking me about what they should promise to their clients as like a service offering. And they started off with like, I'll increase your leads by whatever, or I'll provide you six leads in a month or whatever. I'm like, you shouldn't promise literally anything. Just come into the game and say, I am the expert in this. And this is our, this is our price. And then from there, you just, you, one, you, you don't set any expectations. You just go in, this is what, this is the KPI I'm going to track. If you don't like it, fire me. And, um, he's like, well, what about like, if I say, I'll provide these results or you don't pay. I'm like, I don't know if that's necessarily a great tactic either because then you're just going to do free work forever until you get the results. It's better to execute the work and if you fail, move on. Or if you succeed, keep getting paid. But what do you say to the guys that, you know, they come into the game and they don't feel comfortable saying, I'm the expert, this is the deal because they're not experts yet? I say what I said in earlier episodes which is you can say like, hey, I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm building my business. You're If you're not an expert and you're not as comfortable in it, likely you don't have a ton of clients. So maybe this will be your first. And it's mm-hmm. totally fine admitting that to your client and saying, hey, look, I don't have any clients. I'm building a business. I know how to do this. I have a connection with this niche. I really want to you know, build this industry up because of s- such and such connection. And I did, that, I did that with the landscaping niche. Like I wanted to start a landscaping company with my dad. Never ended up doing it, but I wanted to still enter that niche somehow. And because I went the white collar route, I figured, okay, well, I'll market for it. And that was my connection to the niche and that built kind of that personal connection with the client base. But also when I got our first clients, I was very open and honest about, hey, I'm just starting this. I don't have a ton of clients. And people were so much respective of that or respectful for that versus, you know, pretending like I had clients or like I was faking it till I made it or made it. Uh, Made it. Make, I like that. Baked it, yeah. <laughs> but until then, like, do that for a while. Establish some results. And when you have some positive results, you can brand yourself as an expert. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't have time to say. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just like, yeah, support. <laughs> I agree. Cody goes, let's just freestyle this one. And then <laughs> we get to it. <laughs> and then I just agree. There's like, there's like nothing. <laughs> and then everything I say is, mm, that's good. I like that. You know, I did have, um, I was going to say that the most critical thing is you need to measure success, however you want to define that, right? You have to agree with your client and come to a, a conclusion of some sort of determining what what is good from what is bad. Because uh, I had an old boss who used to say this all the time, and I really grew to like it. It's that you don't get to tell your client what's good um, unless or until or after they tell you their definition of good. So if they say... And it, it'll happen. And if you haven't experienced it yet, you will eventually where um, you get, it's usually businesses, especially business owners who maybe they're new to marketing and they don't really know, they know they have to do it, but they don't really know how to measure whether it's doing well or not yet. And they will say, how did we do? How was it? Did we do well? And you, you can do a few things. What I wouldn't recommend is just saying, yes, everything's great and amazing. Please keep giving us more of your money. I mean, that sounds like a very easy shortcut to say, and you can convince them that, yes, um, we're, we're doing well in general without giving more details. But the problem is that eventually they're going to start to question that. 
And over time, they will lose confidence in you because there's no details. That's just a, a constant feedback channel of yes, thumbs up, super, without any sort of analysis or explanation. Um, but when you have the definition of success, you can come back and just report the numbers and then tell them the the results and say, how do you feel about that? Is that you know uh, good? Are you happy with that? Would you like to see it change in any way? So instead of saying good or bad, just report back the numbers based on what their you know your, your agreed upon measurement of success is, and say, look, your your target CPA, you said you want leads under a hundred bucks. Right now, we're getting them at eighty dollars. Right now, so from our perspective, things look positive, and you could uh, put more money into this even to get closer. I mean, you can increase your volume and lift your cost per acquisition closer to your goal because you're saying that you're willing to go a little bit higher, but then you wait for that to report back and say, yeah, okay, no, I agree. Or it's also good too, because I mean, Jake, we run into this a decent amount where the client will say, I'm frustrated in some way or other, um, about where, where some part of the business is and how it relates to marketing. Usually I'm not happy with, you know, um, it's not, no, nah, you can just say loosely, I'm, I'm confused about my marketing performance because I don't think the KP or my cost per acquisition is where I would like it to be because we're not getting leads. When we come back and we say, well, actually you told us this is what your, your target is. This is what your ideal cost is. And these are the numbers that we're seeing. So on our end, everything looks great. This is a really good point to bring up to interject in because like when we onboard a client, they have to fill out a, a, what we call a CID or a client information document. And it's basically just a big Google sheet that's formatted to where they just fill out the questions. And one of the questions is there's what's your target cost per lead? Like, what are you willing to pay for a lead? And before we onboard the client, I make them fill that out. And it, usually they skip over it because it's a, it's a question that they've never kind of asked themselves because they've never quote paid for leads. But we have to, have to illustrate to them that that's not what you're doing. You're not paying for leads, but the amount of leads that you get for what you are paying us should be a factor in, in your marketing based on our own KPIs. And, uh, but, but that's, that's like what, what you're saying, Cody is, is no, you told us this was your target cost per lead. And if we're meeting that great, if this has somehow changed in the recent, uh, and you know, in the recent months, then we need to know that. Yeah. And I think this is important, uh, when you're new and you're just starting out too, because you will get clients where a lot of things look good. Maybe they're good to communicate with or good to talk to, but their actual KPIs are unrealistic. You can't accomplish them. They're just too, too low. We run into that, uh, where we just had to come back and tell them no matter how good we are, we can't make this cost effective for you, right? You like, you want leads cheaper than what people are paying for a click. We, and we, not we just had to tell an appliance repair company that. Yeah. Like that's not our niche. And we were exploring the niche. And he told us that like he wanted his leads to be uh, 20 bucks, but like his clicks were $15. And I'm like, so you want like a hundred percent conversion rate then? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was in some very competitive markets. The CPCs were insane. And we just told him, well, look, based on what we're seeing, what you're trying to accomplish to us isn't possible. Uh, if somebody else can do it, cool, great, awesome. But uh, yeah, but if you, if you do that and you get that beforehand, you will avoid the messy scenario. Most people will experience it. Even if you do all this too afterwards, and they'll change their mind or people are wishy-washy or that sort of thing where it's like that scene of the notebook where you know the girl's like, what do you want? And he's like, what do you want? And you just go back and forth where nobody was clear about what they wanted. So then everything's a hot mess and 
when you're clear about your intentions and your goals and what you're measuring as success, you avoid that as much as possible. Uh, of course, things change over time and you have to factor in for that too, but that is important. We just, I just had this actually recently with one of our clients. It's the winter right now where our client is, well, where everybody is in the US, but where they are, there's like snow on the ground. So they're, they just turned their ads back on in February and they, we were only, they're on like, they're like a legacy account. So they're only doing like a hundred dollars in Google ad spend a month. And they received two conversions after spending $97 and 77 cents. So their average cost per conversion was $48.89, which by all standards is actually pretty decent. Uh, given our average conversion rate or our average cost per acquisition that we post on our website, I think our average is like $50 and like some change. So I was just reading the email that she sent me regarding this. So every time the reports go out, our reports go out in the third of every month. It's automated from a tool that we use called Raven Tools. And it just goes to our, our client's inbox on the third. Why it goes on the third? Because usually when you do reports, you need to give it a couple of days so it can pull in all the data from external sources. But anyways, I digress. I, on the sixth, I, which was a Monday, I sent out, I, I go through all the reports and I send kind of like a really brief executive summary to the client. It's just kind of one of those contact points because we don't really communicate with our clients that often. It's that one time a month that the owner or their their account strategist can provide feedback and actually communicate with them and they don't feel like they're being ignored. So uh, I sent this over to them and I was like, hey, the results are great. Um, we had some rank drops, which is, tr- which is true, but it didn't affect the amount of leads we got, which is great. In fact, the leads went up. So... Uh, I said, they're also rebuilding their website right now too. So I was like, when the website goes live, we'll start to see more and more improvements over time. Then I said, you know, keep in mind, you also received 26 calls from your Google business profile in one message and Raven Tools doesn't pull in Google business profile information for some reason. I don't know. Part of the reason now we're looking at uh, Google Data Studio. I'm blank. Oh, wait, wait, no, it's Looker, Looker Studio. Studio. Yeah. Looker. They rebranded for some they. stupid yeah. reason. Uh, we're, we're hip with it. <laughs> we tell two words. <laughs> So, hey, our co- our little mugs are the same color. Look, oh yeah, yeah. It's like an aqua, like teal. A uh-huh. yeti. Yeah, mine's a yeti. I don't know what mine is. It says crown corning. I got it on eBay. I don't know. Why did you get a mug on eBay? Uh well, I don't like buying new things. I feel like dishware is different. I feel like you should buy new dishware. Why? What's the beef with? I, I, you know, hold, hold, on, hold on. Okay, let's do this. What's your beef? What's I just. <laughs> What's used? Have you ever been to go- Have you ever been to Goodwill and then you just like look at the dishware and you're like, "That's disgusting. I would never pay for that." Someone like, else has used that. There's bite marks on the cup. Yeah, but that's I bought it on eBay and it looked legit. I for, for, first I have to wonder why someone listed a coffee mug on eBay, just a plain coffee mug. I, I, I'm glad they did. <laughs> they're like a dollar at Target. Like I'm so confused, but I liked it. Okay, <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> You're like that's nice. I can't wait. I can't wait until we get this like on YouTube and people can watch this and look at that coffee mug and be like, it's not like, like there- there's no reason to like it. There is. I understand that. No, there's very little uh, to it. It does. There's no like design. It's really just, it's just flat. Like it's like a flat foamy green, seafoam green. Yeah, yeah. It says a little thing. It says Japan on the bottom. I like that. Yeah, but you didn't know that when you bought it. I didn't. No, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I don't have a great... I can't really explain myself here. I don't have a good defense. Um, <laughs> but I do like buying used things, and I like buying used things on eBay. Um, I, we buy used all the time. Every time we get into Amazon, like all of our stuff in our house is used pretty much. 
and like if there's like a $200 mirror for instance we can get it on on Amazon for used for like 50 bucks and there's nothing wrong with it it's just hold on, hold on. I have a point I have a point and you said plateware is weird to buy used but well, we talked about this with the bed once <laughs> and I said that wasn't on the podcast was it that was no, like in a meeting no it wasn't but I talked to you because you said would you do a used bed and I'm like I think I draw the line there though and you're like but what if it was only slept on once yeah I just wanted to find the the, the line of delineation yeah yeah like yeah like okay so listener ask yourself this question would, would you buy a used bed and and before you say no, I mean you can say no, but now where's the line of delineation? Like let's say there was a, uh, I think the the example that I used, <laughs> oh this is way back when Courtney was here, so yeah, the podcast is definitely not a thing. So mm. the the bed, let's just say it's a king size sleep number, and it is split down the middle, so you can adjust both sides from an app. How much are those new? Like five grand, yeah, five yeah. six grand, and 20. it was only slept on once, once by a guest and and it was used as a guest bed in a rich person's house would you would you buy it i would say yes i would be like absolutely and let's say it was only like 100 bucks like yeah absolutely yeah, deal okay because you said yes there is a point at which you will say no and where is that point so yeah. so so like <laughs> so like if i knew that this cup this mug was used by a dog why does somebody feed in it right yeah, I mean, I could be drinking a, a peed mug and I don't even know. It's true. It could have happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think statistically it's probably unlikely and I'm taking a calculated risk. Every time a woman has to take a pregnancy test, she's either got a, she typically has to pee in a cup. And normally people don't just have designated pee cups sitting around. I just want to let you know that. I could have died not knowing that. <laughs> it would have been fine. I mean, I, I knew that. I never like done... I don't know. I never called attention to it to think of it that way. Uh, I'm but, sorry for letting you know that information. Yeah, let's just move on. Let's. I want to forget it. <laughs> <laughs> my, I had to move my light because my face is looking greasy, and I don't want to put my setting powder on my face on camera. <laughs> yeah, I'd make fun of you. Uh, okay, I did write this down though about wait measuring. Hold that. Hold on, because I was reading my email. Oh yeah. yeah okay. Okay. So she responds and says, it does seem to be picking up for sure, but still get lots of drainage leads. Doesn't help that it rained here most of February, received four leads yesterday, uh, blah, 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 blah. And then she ends it with, the cost per conversion seems high. And I was like, what? So this is kind of one of those things where I've reestablished the value of our KPIs and, and what it actually means. So let me read this out, and then I'll read you her really, very short response right afterwards. And I said, the cost per acquisition is only $48. The national average for all of our accounts is around $50, so you're just under it with Google Ads. I always do an exercise with our clients, especially the ones that do maintenance. Take the average yearly revenue from one maintenance account. Assume it's $500 per year. Then multiply it by the average lifespan of a client. In this industry, so the green industry, it tends to be about five years because that's roughly when people move from their houses. That means the average lifetime value of a maintenance account is about $2,500. 500 times 5, 2500 if your net profit is around 10%, this is just a general number to use that people will accept, then you would profit $250 for the account in that lifetime. So 2,500 times 10%, 250 in profit, which means you can break even on a sale at $250 per acquisition. So then I said, if you, um, but we're talking leads, not sales. So 
the average close rate in this industry is about 50%. The reason why we know that is because we're really well connected with um, like coaches in the industry, like Million Dollar Landscaper, where he knows that information, but also like industry publications like Lawn and Landscape Magazine, they actually do publish this stuff. Yeah. So you can probably find the equivalent easily. For yeah. Then I said, that means you need two leads per closed client, which would drop your break even amount to $125 a lead. So basically what I'm illustrating to her is you 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 could be paying $125 per lead to break even. Then I said, but um, but then I said finally you want to make at least some profit from the lead, right? You don't want to just break even every time. So cut that in half. So you will still make at least five percent profit. That puts your target cost per lead at $62.50. Having said that, if you're getting leads at $48 per lead. I would be handing money over to Google ads as fast as possible. Then I said, this also doesn't account for upsells and referrals gener generated from the client you closed. Uh, anyways, just some food for thought here. And she responds back in one sentence. It says, very helpful. Thanks for breaking it down to something that makes sense. Exclamation point. She didn't say exclamation point. I just said that because she put one there. <laughs> People should re, re, I wouldn't say rewind. I've been, nah, that's a different thing. But bring it back. Listen to that again. That's critically important uh explaining that in such a way that clients understand it and can think of it that way yeah i mean because i could have just said no it's not like this is lower than the industry average and then and then what she's <laughs> gonna be like well the industry average sucks and i can't pay for that mm -hmm. so yeah just explain it to her where she can't or where they can't just prove you wrong or just you know assume something but uh, anyways I, I wanted to talk about that because that's really important it, it's how we communicate our KPI in a way that makes sense for the actual business owner in terms of money in their pocket. So, all right, Cody, what did you write down? What did you, what were you so anxious to talk about? Well, it was basically that <laughs> the difference, the difference with that when based on who you're communicating with at a business too, because that approach works well. Okay. Uh, I worked with this, this woman, her name was Kylie and she was brilliant at explaining this sort of thing. Kylie A? Um, Kylie S. Oh. Yeah. I was thinking I'm at least, uh, Yeah, no. Um, but she was brilliant at explaining this and how it changes um, based on who you're talking to within the business and how you should kind of change your approach to the relationship and also just how you talked about marketing. And it's that you have different tiers of status within the business the owners in the c-suite how jake just described it is a very good way to talk to them because that's how they think even if they haven't done the math themselves to determine what they need for um to feel very solid about that i mean that jake made it very clear but if they haven't done it themselves then that's going to make sense to them you hope that they have because it's their business so they should know that sort of stuff but and don't be surprised when they haven't the trick is being conservative with the numbers too like don't like i went i said 500 bucks a year on a maintenance account that's actually pretty low like mm -hmm. it, it i mean our good clients that know how to price their services correctly or not, i don't want to say correctly but they're in markets where they can have higher prices they're they're doing like 800 a thousand bucks a year on a maintenance account so that's good to that's good to approach that to the to an owner or anybody you know a CEO COO CMO the whole C suite they're going to get that sort of thing. Now, if you're communicating with a marketing manager, someone whose role has been hired to facilitate the marketing, they're not the ones who are running the business, but they're the ones who are in charge of marketing and also vendor partnerships, which would include you as the out 
you know, the external um, marketing partner with this, because when I say internal marketing managers, some of them might do your job, what you do. Um, but if they can't, or they're not good at it, then that's the portion that they outsource because I'm like, I'm talking a lot. I'm running out of breath today. Um, they, <laughs> that's a first, <laughs> <laughs> they, they're doing a lot more than just digital, right? They might be doing print. Uh, they might be handling, um, what's it called? Ch like charity sponsorships, that sort of thing. So they're doing a lot of stuff and then they're outsourcing this portion to you. Your job in that, in that position more than anything is actually just to make them look good. So you can do all this sort of stuff too, and you should, and you should explain this to them. But at the end of the day, it's not, you are not the one talking to the owners and making yourselves look good to them to continue the partnership. You are looking good to the marketing manager who reports back to the owner and says, this is a good thing that we should continue doing because the marketing manager is a key decision maker in that position. So you want to make them look good. Now, weird things can happen with that, where um, if if there's something that you got to realize that in their position, if something is not doing well, they can throw you under the bus and say it's you. Or if you actually needed something from them or there was some information missing or something that you needed, like a deliverable from the marketing manager, and they're actually the ones messing up, it doesn't matter if the people above them don't know that. Right. They could report back and say, actually, no, it's just, you know, it's you. <laughs> it's it's the third party that's, you know, they're not doing great. It's not true. Yeah, they're gonna but, they're gonna cover their ass yeah. before. So it yeah, if, if even if they made the decision for you to do something and you don't push back and say, like, no, this isn't a good idea and it flops, it's not their fault. It's gonna be your fault. Yep. Yeah. So you want to as much as possible save their butts too. Because that, in the long run, that's what's going to work out. Um, because, especially if they're career-oriented people, they might not be there forever. And if they leave, well, your partnership with the business is now in jeopardy because that was your point of contact and you don't know who you're going to be talking to now and you have to rebuild a relationship there. And it's more likely to happen than an owner because owners don't leave their businesses very often, right? Usually they're in it for the long haul. Um, and then, you know, in our experience, they... There's acquisitions or buyouts and that sort of thing, but that is, um, you know, less frequent than having a marketing manager be like, all right, um, I'm moving on to this position to advance my career sort of thing. But when they do that and you build that solid relationship and, you know, if you're open to wherever they go next to, they'll keep you in mind. So there's that benefit too. Um, and just keep, you know, think about that when you're approaching measuring success and, um, making them look good because it means different things depending on who you're talking to within the business. Yeah. And I do want to point out too, that I've, I've mentioned this too. It's somewhat unrelated, but it's, if you should not only establish KPIs that you want to, to, to go after as well as the KPIs that your client wants to go after, if there's some middle ground, then, then you two can work together for sure. But if there isn't middle ground between what the client is looking for in terms of KPIs and what you're willing to provide, then you, you, I don't think that's a partnership you should pursue. It's, it's definitely not a partnership Cody and I would pursue. Uh, I'll give you a quick example. I've been on sales calls. Cody doesn't get on these sales calls. It's just me. So I've been on sales calls where people come up to me and they ask me, or they, the, the only thing they do is they hyper fixate on rank, which we don't. We were just talking about this with Skylar a couple episodes ago. And the rank ultimately means nothing absolutely nothing in 
you can prove this to, I think, prospects and people who are halfway intelligent by asking them if you ranked them number one for every search, every search query in the world and they got absolutely zero leads, but you could prove the rank, would they be happy with you? And 99% of the time, uh, they won't be. They'll always say, no, I wouldn't be. So then I always retort with, so then you don't care about rank. Like you, you only care about the leads. Like you want people to contact you and you think rank is a, is a way to get there. And ultimately, and I said this in the episode too, like, yeah, it is a way to get there. But if you remember my, my conversation with my client that I just read via email, I mentioned there, they did see rank drops in the time and last month versus the year prior, but their leads went up. So there are a lot of situations where rank does drop, but they get more leads. So, you know, that's why that's that's our primary KPI. And if someone comes to us or to me and wants to hyperfix it on rank, I just say, look, if you're looking for an agency to rank you, there's plenty of other agencies that will resort to PBNs and other black hat tactics that'll get you to rank, but that's not us. And, you know, yeah, we're not we're not the ranking we're we're not the the ranking agency we're the leads agency and and that's what's important so it 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 really comes down to establishing what you're willing to provide as a kpi but also what the market wants as a kpi if you're willing to provide rank or if you're willing to provide you know i don't know low bounce rate for whatever reason is your is your kpi does your market care about that Uh and uh actually i was talking to and we can wrap this up but i was talking to someone who's messaging me on facebook about this very exact thing um, someone who just reaches out to us after listening to the podcast. And the last question he asked me was, what do you, so he's going into the bicycle niche, the bicycle um, retail niche. And I said, okay. Like e-com or? No, no, not even like e-com, like local, like local bicycle stores. Um, so I, I don't know. I just, I'm all oh, like they sell bikes locally. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like Europa. Wow. Cedar Falls. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know brands. So yeah, and and it's it's an okay. I, I would say I would assume it's an okay niche because you're not only going after like you know a sporting goods store, like big sporting goods store, but you're also going after like you know Walmart as competitors and things like that. It's a whole club. Like usually they do events and stuff too, right? It's not just here's your bike, Sayonara, Sammy. Like <laughs> right. They... <laughs> so one of the last things he said was, "Do I just ask the client what he wants in terms of KPIs or whatever?" And I said, "That's partly right." You want to know what your client wants, but you should already have a pretty firm grasp on what your type of client wouldn't want. If a prospect came to me and said they just wanted to increase the rank, I wouldn't want to be a partner with them. And then I said, we provide leads. That's our primary KPI. And I said, sometimes client come to me, clients come to me and say they want less leads, but more qualified leads. That's totally fine too. And then I said, uh, I don't know your niche very well. Usually you want to pick a niche you have some connection to. How do you think a bicycle shop would get most of their site visitors or their store visitors? How do you think someone would discover a bicycle shop? And then by the grace of God, he just says, I understand. Thank you. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I was like, okay, good. Because I don't know good. the bicycle niche at all. Like, I don't, I'm not going to pretend like I do. And our niche, it's best to focus on SERPs. And maybe if in the bicycle niche, maybe it's not search engines maybe it is through facebook maybe it's i don't know tiktok instagram mm-hmm. i don't know yeah but, more social but i mean this goes back to the episode that we had about picking your niche is or and how to do it is if you've got some kind of personal connection to it you should be able to think through the mindset of how someone would discover your client and uh-huh. usually like with doctor's offices for instances you can i would assume that that's search results because that's how i find my doctors I don't ever see a doctor's ad on Facebook and go, 
I should switch my doctor. I'm on the bus. <laughs> I'm on the bus and I see a sign that says, do you need a doctor? I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you, bus sign. <laughs> but but once you, and, and that's, that's important too, because if you know the medium and you know that this is how people discover people on this medium or, or businesses on that medium in that niche, then you'll also know what your KPIs might be as well. So our KPIs are cost per acquisition on Google Ads, on Facebook. Your KPI might just be, I don't know, probably be leads or something, <laughs> something similar. But even in our industry, the average close rate across all sales in the landscaping industry is 50%. But I've had clients tell me that when someone contacts them from Google, their close rate is 80%. But when somebody contacts them from Facebook, their close rate is 20%. So knowing the mediums are important too, and knowing like the average close rates and trying to find those out too. So you know how many leads you need to provide for your client. I mean, we, we've had clients where we've provided them like a hundred leads and are like 90% of these are junk. Mm-hmm. We're probably running the leads, but then at the end of the day, if they're not good, they're going to leave us. So it's, we got, you got to kind of solve that problem and you've got to provide enough leads for them to justify your service or provide enough of whatever it is to for them to justify your service. <sighs> I didn't mean for this one to be that long, but it was. That's okay. But you're not, right. that's what she said. Oh, no, I didn't think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you good? I'm good. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. See ya.